Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome back to part two of CT of the Stomach. And we spoke about adenocarcinoma as well as some basic principles, and let's look at some other tumors. Gastric lymphoma is not uncommon. It's the most frequent GI site of malignant lymphoma. Up to 1 to 5% of gastric malignancies are lymphoma, and most are non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. There are certain risk factors, of course, we speak about in patients with GI lymphoma, and not just the stomach. We talk about celiac disease, we talk about HIV and AIDS, we talk about colitis and Crohn's disease, and immunosuppression following solid organ transplantation. For example, patients with celiac disease have a 200-fold increased risk of intestinal lymphoma. So there are certain important features. We talk about that more than 90% of malt lymphomas are associated with H. pylori, so that's very important in the stomach. In some cases, eliminating H. pylori can lead to remission of low-grade malt lymphomas. However, we know that malt lymphomas can become high-grade lymphomas. Now, with lymphoma, the clinical presentation can be variable. Abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, weight loss, very much like gastric cancer, or like many different malignancies. GI bleeding is probably more common with adenocarcinoma than it is with lymphoma. If lymphoma presents late, you can have palpable masses. GI lymphoma can cause obstruction, perforation, or in the small bowel or large bowel, intussusception. When we talk about CT patterns of involvement, we talk about polypoid masses, diffuse infiltration, ulcerative lesions, and mucosal nodularity. It's interesting, when we used to speak about gastric lymphoma, we talked about wall thickening of over five centimeters. It used to be a clear-cut difference between lymphoma and adenocarcinoma. Now we pick things up earlier so the lymphomas are not quite as bulky. We talk about the difficulty at times of distinguishing adenocarcinoma and lymphoma. We talk about adenopathy, and typically we like to say with adenopathy that with lymphoma it's bulkier and extends beneath the level of the renal hilum. But as I showed you in some cases with adenocarcinoma, you can also see fairly bulky adenopathy. With patients with lymphoma, tumor can extend from antrum of the stomach into duodenum. That would be relatively uncommon with adenocarcinoma. We spoke about malt lymphomas, uh, again, associated with H. pylori infection. And with malt lymphomas, at times it can be difficult to separate from adenocarcinoma. So here's a good example, bulky tumor in the antrum of the stomach. Uh, you don't see any adenopathy of note. This was lymphoma. Or this example, infiltration of the body and antrum, ulceration. It's somewhat bulky as you go further down. Could this be adenocarcinoma? I guess the answer is yes. There are small nodes present, but this was lymphoma. Or in this case, with 3D, you see the large lobular folds. Large lobular folds are good for lymphoma. Infiltration is more common with adenocarcinoma. Or in this case, again, with antral infiltration. So it can be somewhat tricky. In this case, you see extension into the patient's proximal duodenum, more common in lymphoma than in carcinoma. Now, a third tumor we can look at are GIST tumors. GIST tumors were referred to as leiomyomas, leiomyosarcomas. The thing about them, they're stromal-type tumors. They make up a small percent of gastric cancers, but in our experience, we do see between 10 and 20 new cases each year. They're important tumors. They uh, display spindle cell or epithelioid morphologic characteristics. 
Key thing is on lab values, CK or CD117 protein positive, CD34 positive, S100 positive. About 70% of just tumors arise in the stomach and about 30% or so in the small bowel. We talk about 10 to 30% of these lesions are going to be malignant with the malignant risk based on uh, extra gastric location, over five centimeters, local extension, and most importantly, the pathology greater than one mitosis per 50 high-powered field. The classic appearance of a GIST tumor on CT is a large exophytic mass with ulceration, not uncommon. These lesions can be homogeneous, but most commonly are inhomogeneous in appearance. Liver metastasis can occur. Those metastases, when they do occur, are cystic. There are a number of lesions that are in the category of subepithelial lesions, including GIST tumors, but you can see a range of different tumors, and when they're smaller, they can overlap. So, for example, smooth tumor in the stomach, well-defined GIST tumor. You can see in this case is intraluminal, and you can see in this case it's intraluminal as well, but it's a large, bulky lesion. It's much larger than the prior study, and you could see it on the 3D views. So GIST tumors can be large, polypoid, irregular enhancing lesions, in a sense, hanging out in the stomach. You can see the necrosis in this case. You can see the ulceration. Now, this is, in our experience, the least common appearance. Uh, when you look back at uh, other cases we can talk about here, large, bulky, exophytic lesions with ulceration. This is when I'm typically thinking about gastric gist tumors, very nicely shown here. And here it is on the sagittal view. I think one of the challenges sometimes with gist tumors when they're exophytic is determining where they're arising from. They're so exophytic, sometimes you can confuse them with pancreatic masses or retroperitoneal masses or even adrenal masses. Sometimes they're relatively small, that's easy. Here's a large five centimeter, which is not all that large, gist tumor, exophytic with some intraluminal component. And here is that same case in 3D, very nicely shown. But look at this example. Look at the size of this large bulky tumor, classic for gist tumor, but perhaps you can be thinking this might be something else, pushing on the stomach rather than arising from the stomach. I think the reconstructed views in this case, the coronal views, can be very valuable in making the right diagnosis. Sometimes, like this case, look how large this tumor is. It's necrotic, it's ulcerating. Is it abutting the stomach or is it coming from the stomach? I think after a while you, you recognize these tumors and suggest this must be a GIST tumor. It's interesting because they're so exophytic, there's no gastric outlet obstruction. You don't see ulceration, but tumors that are exophytic can grow intraluminally, and you will have both a, a large exophytic component with some intraluminal component. Here it is on the 3D map. You can see how exophytic this lesion is and how necrotic. Or in this example, large necrotic tumor, areas of calcification. Occasionally, just tumors can calcify. They also can bleed. Our experience, particularly in small bowel, is that the smaller tumors will bleed. The smaller tumors are more vascular. The larger tumors can bleed with ulceration, but they're typically not vascular. And you can see in this case, you may see some 
neovascularity in the tumor, but these tumors in general are not very vascular. And here's another example. Often the interface to spleen is hard to define. Again, a large exophytic mass. If you looked only at these images, could this be a large pancreatic tumor? Could this be a large adrenal tumor? It's things that you entertain when you do the differential diagnosis, but at the end of the day, this is going to be a large just tumor. So just look at these images, early phase, there's some vascularity, later phase, you see the necrosis a whole lot better. Now I mentioned that the larger tumors are typically not very vascular, but again, there's lots of exceptions to rules. Look at the size of this mass. Again, what is it? It's a sarcoma, but it's arising from the stomach. It's hard to be certain of that, but look how vascular this case is, particularly when I show you the MIP images. So again, just tumors can be very vascular. At times, it's hard to figure out where they arise from. Now, it's important to recognize just tumors because the treatment, which at the end will be surgical, often in the beginning will be chemotherapy. These patients respond very well to Gleevec, and it's ideal to treat them with chemotherapy and then do the surgery. And you can see that it's a very unusual tumor because of its KIT positive. You can see that the success rate with Gleevec is very nicely. It's a selective tyrosine kinase inhibitor and is the standard chemotherapy for these patients. And again, what we are seeing more is that patients get chemotherapy up front and then the tumors become smaller and necrotic and then they can be resected. Um, Long-term survival is typically inversely correlated with tumor size and mitotic rate, and gastric gists carry a better prognosis than small bowel gists. So it's something to think about. Now, what other tumors can we look at? I mentioned occasionally gist tumors can calcify, but if you see a smaller mass like this that's densely calcified, you could consider a gist tumor but these are commonly gastric gliomyomas. We used to see those or describe them more commonly previously. Now we tend to call everything just tumors. But you see a mass in the wall with dense calcification. You do need to think about the possibility of a gliomyoma. And here it is in 3D imaging. Now, I mentioned that just tumors can occasionally enhance when they're small. We spoke about lymphomas, which don't enhance, and typically adenomas or adenocarcinomas do not enhance, but what tumors enhance? Now you're thinking about a carcinoid tumor. Here you see a mass which at first glance appears to be in the pancreas and hypervascular, but you see a component in the patient's stomach, and this was a gastric carcinoid tumor. There are several types of gastric carcinoid tumors. They are commonly malignant, particularly as they get larger, with spread to local nodes or to the liver. You can see that gastric carcinoids can be easily overlooked. Here's a patient, you look quickly at the stomach, everything looks good. You look a little bit closer, there's a one centimeter mass on the gastric wall. And you can see gastric carcinoid tumors, like all carcinoid tumors in the GI tract, are vascular, but they can be very small and very easy to miss. We tend to think about carcinoid tumors involving small bowel, uh, we talk about the appendix, we talk about desmoplastic reaction and mesenteric masses. Here you see a smooth lesion on the greater curvature of the stomach, very nicely shown. Good example of a carcinoid tumor. You can see how subtle these lesions are. You can see why water is a great contrast agent when you're looking for small lesions. 
Now, it's also important when we talk about gastric tumors to mention metastasis. Metastasis of the stomach are not uncommon. There are different patterns of involvement. Classic linitis plastica, we talk about breast cancer. We talk about multiple nodules, like with melanoma, and solitary masses, also melanoma. Um, we talk about this infiltrating process, linitis plastica, and that's so classic for breast cancer. As you can see in this example, the stomach cannot be distended. It's important to recognize that the stomach needs to be well distended routinely. Always give an extra cup of water a positive contrast when the patient gets on the table. That eliminates gastric pseudotumors. Or this example looks kind of like the gist tumor I showed you a few moments ago. And this could be a gist tumor. This And I probably thought that's what this was. This was biopsy. It was metastatic melanoma. Exophytic, large mass. Again, uh, melanoma can be solitary or can be multiple, can be small, it can be large, can be submucosal or subserosal. Now, there are things that simulate gastric cancers. Patients with gastritis can look identical to an infiltrating gastric cancer. Here was a patient with gastritis due to NSAID use. And you can see in the antrum this infiltration, this thickening, could be carcinoma. Or in this case, infiltration of the stomach in the antrum, it's narrowed, there's a transition point. This was an uh, example, I thought this was carcinoma. So did the surgeon at resection, this ended up a path being inflammation. So at times, severe inflammation, particularly over time, can simulate tumor. Or in this case, look at the gastric wall thickening. This was a patient with gastritis. This was not due to tumor. It's low density, but low density can be seen in lymphoma. But this was gastritis, so a very important pitfall in our experience. Now, in terms of benign gastric tumors, let me just make a few comments. Uh, benign gastric tumors, actually the majority of gastric tumors, because they're typically small polyps that we may not see, including hyperplastic polyps. You can see in this example a polypoid lesion in the antrum, uh, vascular, you still would have to worry about malignancy because of the vascularity, though broad base and a polypoid mass would be an atypical appearance for adenocarcinoma. This was an inflammatory polyp. There's no way to make the diagnosis. This will be resected. Lipomas we can diagnose. They're uncommon, submucosal, but they're fatty density. They can intersuscept. They can bleed. They're well circumscribed. The density is around minus 100. The ones that ulcerate typically are very large, and these lesions are always benign. And here's just a nice example of a classic lipoma in the stomach. This patient also, by the way, has a lipoma in the duodenum. There's no association as far as I know, and here's just a very nice example of that patient's lipoma. Now, in terms of imaging the uh, stomach and malignancies, the question is what about PET scan? Uh, there's a lot of work going on, but there are certain limitations of PET in the evaluation of gastric cancer based on the histology of the gastric cancer, the physiologic properties of the stomach, and spatial resolution of PET. Tumor size is important. Again, uh, sensitivity of PET, about 76% for lesions over 3 centimeters, but only 17% or less for lesions under a centimeter. So it can be very tricky. I showed you this case at the beginning of the talk, and here you can see the positive PET correlation. We talk about different sensitivities in tumors depending on the pathology. 
Uh, again, adenocarcinoma can be somewhat challenging depending on the type of adenocarcinoma it is. So I've covered a number of things. We talked about protocols, how important distension is, whether using positive or neutral contrast agent. We talked about some of the classic appearances, particularly of adenocarcinoma, lymphoma, and gist tumors. We spoke about pitfalls. We spoke about the differential diagnosis. So hopefully you put all that information together. You're going to do a great job and get those diagnoses correct. And with that, have a great day.